Ladies and gentlemen and other fellow humans, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Picard, Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co-host Chris Clow, and I uh, we're, we're running at uh, some reduced strength in terms of our regular panel, because right now, as of this moment, the only regular panelist who is with me is the amazing and spectacular Mr. Cicero Holmes. Uh, good afternoon. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. I, I believe it is afternoon in the soul system. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and um, so, unfortunately, Ty can't join us tonight. And Rachel will probably be joining us later. But to kick off our discussion, we have uh, a very special guest and friend of the show from the wonderful YouTube channel, Trexpertise, Mr. Kyle Sullivan. Kyle. Hola, como estas, señores? Nitlatoa. I say things and I exist. I am air breather number 5042. Oh, hey, you you are much more than than an air breather, my friend, because that oxygen that you breathe provides nourishment for your brain, which is a wonderful, wonderful addition to the mosaic that is the universe. So thank you for bringing your brain to join us today. Good save, sir. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, here we are rolling into the discussion of the second episode of a new Star Trek season. So we're on a pretty decent track record right now. Hopefully we can keep things going for the next several weeks. Um, But I think it's pretty safe to say that this episode had uh, a couple of momentous moments, whether those are positively momentous or not, we will try to get into over the course of uh, this discussion. But Generally, I think one of the things that I find interesting, and I'd love to get your guys' take on it, is just, you know, one of the things that we talked about in the last episode was that before the season even premiered, it seemed like certain segments of Star Trek fandom that had maybe grown disillusioned over the output of the franchise over the past couple of years, they've really been championing this. Like, they they made the first, I think, six episodes available to certain uh, influencers, not many of which had the most positive outlook on other al- elements of Kurtzman era Star Trek, mm-hmm. but people have really been banging the drum about Picard season three. We've only seen, you know, a third of what they have so far, but, um, Kyle, I'm curious because I, I mean, you've expressed disappointment in terms of where the franchise has been, but what do you make of this tenor in certain components of Star Trek fandom about season three of Picard? Uh, I think that not not to be too cynical about it, but I think that season two of Picard got 20 something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So I think that the powers that be were like, let's, let's do a good faith effort. Let's, uh, Mr. Metallus has been given a freer hand and has apparently come up with a satisfying story that has quelled a lot of dissent in certain, I don't want to call them conservative circles, but like people who who are visibly upset at the course of Trek uh, folks like Robert Meyer Burnett, for example, who's been very vocal and he's all over the place talking about his opinions. He, he got a look at the script and he was like, this is awesome. And so like when someone like that says something like that, you're like, huh, I guess I should pay attention. And so uh, it's, it's been interesting. I think it's part publicity, but also, you know, a Trek fan is a Trek fan. I don't think that, you know, they're going to, Say something. I don't think someone like Burnett's going to say something like that unless he meant it, unless he really felt that way. So I, I think maybe, maybe it's a very good sign for what might be a, a pretty good season. 
Maybe. I mean, as uh, the Discovery Debrief Twitter account has actually been on the receiving end of Mr. Burnett on, I think, at least one occasion. Uh, This was years ago, but uh, I think uh, it's pretty safe to say that your conclusions about what his perspective has been are very well documented. Yeah, I mean, I consider him a bellwether. There's a lot of folks like that. Like in, in Trek sure. fandom, there's a couple of people who are, are celebrities or standouts or I don't know what you want to call them, how they qualify. Like they're they're in the the priesthood, if you will. Sure. And he's to me, he's kind of a bellwether. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty understandable. And I think it, it's supported by uh, the perspectives that he shares with some folks. Cicero, what about you? Now that we've seen episode two, obviously we're going to get into the details of the story, but uh, what do you make of this sort of break that certain not my track people are having with Picard season three in a positive direction? Well, so I've got to be honest and and say that a, a lot of my information with respect to how those people feel has come from you because much like this episode uh, when it came to discourse about Picard, I disengaged. Um, see what I did there? Um, <laughs> and and uh, so I, I'm 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 elated, right? That those people that whether they're not my Trek people or not, they love this franchise, right? They love Star Trek, and and, and you know, and and much like. If you if you know you guys are listening, you guys have siblings. Um, much like you guys all love your mother, you guys love your mother mostly for the same reasons, but there are very different reasons that each person loves their mother, um, and and those things are unique to you. So, um, uh, so like I don't necessarily look to them for for validation for my love of mother star Trek. Um, but, but I'm happy that they, they've refound that love and they're able to rekindle it with Picard, with season three, with what they've heard. Uh, at this point, I am just taking, I'm trying to ride with the story and coming in with, with, no expectations, but just an, a, a critical assessment of the story that they attempt to tell, uh, simply because what you may think is an awesome story, I may think is a, is a shit story. So, you know, this guy is really happy about what he's read, um, and, and lots of people are really happy about what they've read and or seen, um, but that doesn't mean that I'll be happy with it when it's all said and done. Sure. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean that everyone on this panel will be happy with it when it's all said and done. But I hope I hope that we all wind up mostly in the same place, loving Mother Star Trek. I think uh, I could summarize your, your statement in saying, uh, quoting Surak, the great Surak of Vulcan, and saying, nobody hates Star Trek more than a Star Trek fan. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it is a wild little fandom, and I like yeah. it. You know, I do like though that the love fest is starting to come back a little bit because just because, you know, when I guess right around the time that the Star Wars sequel trilogy was really kicking up, and of course, right. you know, when The Last Jedi was released in 2017, it was a very divisive movie. I think all of us are on record for liking it quite a bit. Right. Um, but from there, it just seemed like 
there was a switch that was flipped with fandoms at large that seemed to take the lead from Star Trek between or Star Wars rather with like the the culture warrior wing and the people who were just like hey Star Wars you know right, and then there was right. like a strange weird confluence of trying to please everybody with that last movie and then discovery parts of that bled into discovery with some of the things that they were doing and it didn't seem like people started to actually get excited about the franchise at large in the case of star trek until strange new worlds at least that's my well, well i think i think people were excited at the prospect of picard sure and were yeah. very excited at the beginning of picard mm-hmm. um but i think I think Strange New Worlds was the first thing unmasked where it ended and the feelings were as positive at the end, probably even more positive at the end than they were at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that just in terms of perception. Kyle, did you enjoy Strange New Worlds? I don't think you and I have ever talked about it. We haven't. Uh, I, I largely did. I think... First season missteps exist in a very classic sense. There are a couple episodes you're like, why did they do that? But right. it, it was different and kind of fresh after the style we've been sitting with. Um, I, I did like it. I do want to see more of it. I think that you spent more time with the characters in a in a more dramatic way, I guess. And it was it was interesting. Like the world wasn't blowing up, so like. <laughs> So the stakes were smaller, so we get to. I feel like we get to sit with some of the characters more, and I loved it, like the helmsman and yes. uh, the engineer, and like I was just like, I, I like all of these guys, and I, I hope to see most of them again. I know that <clears throat> spoiler alert, they're not all coming back, but yeah, poor poor Hammer. Um, but I liked it. I liked it more than the first seasons of Picard. I liked it more than Discovery, and I, I recently finished Prodigy too, which gotta say. Damn, damn good, damn good show that one. Yeah, well, um, you know, this is normally the point where we do our check-ins, and part of my check-in is going to be that we have resumed our watch because we put Prodigy on pause, but we just got past the uh, the episode with with the Borg where they encounter a dormant cube. Okay, right, um, man. I wasn't sure how. Like, I remember when Prodigy started, I was thinking, how are they going to do the Borg? Are they going because they're it's like Gamma Delta Quadrant, it seems likely that they could run into a, an errant cube at some point. And I was like, is this going to fit? Is, and and any concerns I had were totally just laid to rest. Is yeah. Like- I'm, I'm, I'm shocked the show is doing as well as it is on story. It, have you guys seen the meme floating around where it's the Trojan horse at the door of Troy? And it, on the outside of the horse, it's like Star Trek Prodigy. And on the inside of the horse, it's like Voyager sequel. no hey and i mean there's so they just laid down in this episode that i watched that um that chakotay's mission on the protostar was to go back to the delta quadrant and how janeway was just like totally flabbergasted that it was something that he even wanted to do but that's a cool thread to follow Mm -hmm. up on and but the continuity is there if you want it, which I do, but it's certainly, I don't think it's going to be a crutch for people who decide to watch it for the first time. It's not a triple on a desk of the captain in the first right. season of discovery. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I think, right. The, I think prodigy is balancing that really, really well. You're going to see a couple of familiar faces apart from the Voyager crew too. If you haven't seen them already on a couple, unfortunately, okay. but that doesn't tamp down my anticipation for seeing them. So okay. 
that's that's going to be cool. And I mean, Citro, you're really you really you finished Prodigy recently. Right? I have not finished. I have not oh, okay, finished. Okay. Yeah, all of Prodigy, but Ty did. Right. And and Ty's evangelism of it is what is what galvanized me to to get back into it, and I'm really happy that that he did. So I may I actually may be like an episode or two ahead of you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, we might maybe we should reconvene then when we're both yeah. done. It might be Def- definitely good thing to talk about. Well, uh, and Kyle, you mentioned um, that the TNG movies are finally going to be coming out on Ultra HD Blu-ray, which mm, delicious. Oh, I, I mean the the transfers of those first six movies, I was very pleasantly surprised by. It, they're look, they look fantastic. Have you guys seen the uh, directors, the new directors edition of the motion picture? Yes, yes. That's the most exciting Trek thing that's happened to me in a year, because I love that movie and it, it it it's just gorgeous. Has that been your preferred version of that movie since it came out in yes. one? Okay, hands down. Yeah. And and the, the changes are subtle, but it it's a it's a damn good treat for anyone who's been suffering under the, under the throes of this franchise as long as I have. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. And I got to see it in a the theater all by myself, too. It was just like center seat alone. It was like... Oh, awesome. Wow. Personal yeah. screening. See, I was, on a, I was on a business trip in Southern California when they did the Fathom event playing it in theaters. I still took the time to go. There were a few people peppered in the theater, but not very many. Um, but I was very happy for that diversion. It was, mm. uh, it's a beautiful movie to absorb in the theater. Actually, Cicero and I watched it in the theater together, yes, the theatrical yes. version a few years ago, Yes, yes. but still fun. Yes. And, um, that's, I think that's a movie that a lot of people have just started to appreciate more in mm. time, you know, yeah. Like maybe when you're a kid and you're watching episodes of TNG and, or, or DS9 or TOS for that matter, maybe it doesn't click is at least it didn't with me just because it was very slow but then as i got older and appreciated what real science fiction is then motion Mm. picture is just (laughs) um oh and uh so we're also getting a 4k ultra hd blu-ray release of strange new world season one this coming day oh cool uh which is the i think it's the first time that any star trek series has been released in that format so that's interesting I'm I'm gonna I'm probably gonna go for that one too because I like that show. In fact, we need to talk about the finale still. That's an IOU. Sorry about that. But um, Cicero, is there anything yes. you want to check in with us about in terms of your 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 trekually active nature? Right. Yes, I am trekually active. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I th- I think yeah. So since since we last spoke last Monday, um, I. Uh, yeah, I've only watched a couple of other, a couple of episodes of Prodigy, a couple more episodes of Prodigy, and it's it, it's wonderful, and you know Picard, uh, but, um, so so debrief is only like a more structured version when Ty and, and I are both on debrief. It's just a more structured version of conversations that we have. Um, outside of debrief. So uh, Ty and I are constantly talking about DS9 and uh, he's finally gotten to the point. I I think they're season three or season four of Mm. DS9 where they changed the theme. 
Mm. Um, and he oh, yeah. he hates it now because it's it's not as it's not as solitary. Mm-hmm. It's more orchestral as the as the you know the old one. The old one felt you know like ethereal, I guess, and felt and noble. Right. Yeah. And he's, yeah. yeah. So he's, you know, it's new. He's not liking it. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it'll, it'll grow on him. Cause it's, it's Sol- what solo trumpet that is not right. punctuated by percussion yeah. as much. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. In the, in the early ones. Right. But, but his, his overall enthusiasm and appreciation for that series um, reminded me that it's about time that I go back and rewatch DS nine. And, you know, if, if you're an unstable, uh, in imbalanced nerd, like me, you probably have a go to sleep show. Um, and I was watching, uh, Reaper, this, the show from early, the early, either late aughts, early 2010s about this kid who, whose soul was sold to the devil and he had to, and Ray Wise was the, was the devil and he had to uh, re- recover escape souls and bring them back. It was this stupid comedy. It was, it was really dumb, uh, but uh, it only went two seasons. It was a great show. I really loved it. Uh, I was watching that. That was my go to sleep show. And uh, now that's over. So DS nine is going to be my new go to sleep show. Uh, so I, I, man, I'm super excited. Thanks a lot, Ty. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think he was because he had just said Worf had just arrived. So I think he yes, just watched yeah. Way of the Warrior. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's that's a good time. I, I guess I kind of like the more percussiony theme a little bit, just because it seems appropriate for the action that is to come. That is. Right you know, full of substance as opposed to vapid disengaged action. So, Oh, I just, I, I envy him for being able to watch that again for the first or watch it for the first time. Um, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. The older I get as a Trek fan, the more I'm like, maybe I'm a DS nine fan. And then the rest of Star Trek, I like, you know, right, I, right. You know I, I, and I love a lot of it. Like I, right. I, I love TNG. You got me started. I, I've got favorites all over the place, but like, right. DS9 is like a fine wine, man. And like, I'm in the middle of the lit verse right now. I'm reading through the continuity of the books, the oh, lit verse. Yeah. Oh. I, I want to do an essay on that. And like, you start right after the end of DS9 with the DS9 crew and the up and the new characters that come in. And you're just like, it's like comfort food, man. DS9 sure. is beautiful. Yeah. It really is. And I, I think that, um, you know, the, the, the What We Left Behind documentary did a really good so job good. of showing how timely it ended up being retroactively like it was ahead of its time you know oh, way these, way way these conversations way that we were like ha- oh yeah yeah but no no but but by like two decades you know yeah <laughs> i mean these conversations that were going to become ubiquitous in our culture uh after september 11th were things that ds9 was dealing with from the second or third season through right. the end of its run and that was 1999 that that show ended I know, man. Yeah, in a certain way, I think DS9 was kind of a, one of the peaks of the franchise. And uh, I think a lot of people are coming around to it. Like, I've always heard that it, there it was kind of like a, not hate, but like, it's the black sheep or whatever. Right. Right. Well, it's, you know, it's the one without the ship. Yeah. I don't, um, I didn't, it didn't, that argument never worked on me. Right. Because the minute yeah. you start watching, like, 
this is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But you know what? I, I think, man, I, I sit back as we, as we continue the Star Trek love fest. I think that second half of, of Star Trek TV, like TNG was great. DS9 was incredible, but Voyager, after it got through the first two seasons, like after it got settled with like, we're not going to always try and tease the fact that we're almost home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we finally get rid of this, this weird relationship beti- between Tess and, and this other dude, you know, like, like, <laughs> oh, Tess and once, Helix, yeah. 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 Once we, you know, once we kind of got rid of that kind of stuff, Voyager got really good. Yeah, that was after they decided after the captain and commander Chakotay decided that Ensign Kim was never going to get a promotion. At that point, right, Voyager right. got real good. Yeah. Right, right. I'm kind of um, hoping we can see Vice Admiral Kim, Kim. <laughs> just because. And yeah, right. He just he got promoted from an ensign to a vice admiral. Um, <laughs> it would be yeah, posthumously. Exactly. Uh, I mean, he did enough work. Between right. The, when they left and when they How many times up. does the guy need to die and he before he gets promoted? He didn't even have his clarinet when they left DS9. Yeah. Oh, and funny. he still did so much. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, 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 Garrett Garrett Wong, you guys know his like Twitter yeah. handle, right? Forever Ensign? No, no, I didn't I did not I didn't know, know that. Yeah, it's, not Twitter, it's a branding that he uses a lot. So like nice. anyway. oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and, um, but yeah, um, but like, uh, and Chris, you know, to to uh, peek behind the curtain, the hat that you're wearing today, I think Enterprise NX01, right? A- again, a-, a a series that was maligned and and, and kind of w- like, man, what a vestige of its time that show was Econ based Joe. on the sh- right, based yeah. on the shift <laughs> that the show made. Right. Like at a certain point as you're watching the show, I feel like you're in a classroom and you pause the show and you're like, all right. All right, guys. So right when this happened, there was this thing called 9-11. And this is how people reacted to that. Now let's watch the rest of the show. Right. (laughs) You know, and and it's so incredible to to watch that happen narratively in real time Mm -hmm. through this show. But there was so much in that show that was so important to the rest of what Star Trek was and what Star Trek is today. Yeah. You know, it was the same kind of deal because 2001, that was also the first year Smallville came out, which of course I was watching. And, you know, that show stayed way past its welcome in my right. estimation. It went for yeah. 10 seasons. Yes. Wow. And yes. uh and I didn't watch it all the way through the whole time. But the thing that made me dis- <laughs> you know, but the thing that dissatisfied me is the same thing that dissatisfied me initially with Enterprise. It was embarrassed to be what yeah. it was. Right. Enterprise is a Star Trek show. Smallville is a Superman show. You know, it's right. like the Smallville's producers had this no tights, no flights policy yeah. because they wanted to separate it from from the Superman IP. And Enterprise didn't get Star Trek in front of the subtitle until season three. But oh, they did finally find it, you know. Yeah. Credit to Manny Cotto for actually turning it into a Star Trek show, particularly in that last year. 
Absolutely, and they get, and as a result, they gave us the second best looking Gorn after forty right. years. There you right. go. Yeah, it's true. Right. <laughs> well, and if I can also, so Kyle, if you're doing the the literary stuff right now, if I can mm. make a recommendation, there is a yeah. brand new comic book series that just start, started. That's just called Star Trek, where Benjamin Sisko is the lead character. Mm-hmm. I've and, seen it. Um, it's uh, it's co-written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, who were actually two really good writers at Marvel. They did a five issue miniseries for Kang, who is now played by Jonathan Majors in the movie. Right. But that was a really good series, and they're also co-writing Captain America right now. And I didn't realize that it was them doing Star Trek until very recently. But that oh, is a nice. very solid series. Oh, good. I I, I I had my eye on it. The what they're doing in that little series is different from what's happening in the Litverse. But I've had my eye on it because it looked cool. And yeah. then there was a, a new Lost Years thing that came out that was uh, like after V'ger, but before Star Trek II for the original. Yes. So I've had my eye on both of those. And I'm not a guy, I don't, I don't really do comic books anymore. I'm like, I kind of want to buy those and read those. I need some Trek stories. It's worth reading yeah. the first issues at least, you know, and see if they if that's enough to hook you. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's the nice thing about the periodical format. But we, we've gone around the world. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm not being a very... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, I'm, I'm not clipping the, the vines here, but I like how these conversations go. Uh, but we do have an episode to talk about. Last thing that I'll say, the day that we're recording this is February 27th. Uh, it is the eight-year anniversary since the world lost Leonard Nimoy, a very tragic occurrence, although he certainly lived a very full life. So I'll just, the, the, the last words that he gave publicly that's now mm-hmm. stand in the ether, a life is like a garden. Perfect moments can be had, but not preserved except in memory. So, uh, hearts out to Leonard Nimoy, of course, um, for my money, the, the performer who breathed life into one of fiction's absolutely greatest characters. Um, so with that, with that, brief bit of love let's move on to talk about star trek picard season three episode two disengage so as usual the episode summary comes from the fine editors at wikipedia who are perfect in condensing these episodes events into digestible conversation chunks for our purposes and of course the original somewhat summaries are somewhat augmented by Yours truly. So let's begin. Picard stops the large ship, the Shrike, from transporting Jack off the Elios, but it then captures the Elios itself with a tractor beam. Seven persuades Captain Shaw to intervene, and Beverly is transported to the Titans Medical Bay, while Picard, Riker, and Jack are brought to the bridge. And again, these are very fast-moving episode summaries. And I know some people might hate me for saying this, but I have to admit that I got some Nemesis vibes from the Shrike. It had a very scimitar-like presentation, particularly when the Titan performed a tactical analysis, and it definitely seems like it's being presented as an overwhelming force to, against what is also portrayed as a more exploratory Federation ship in the Titan. Um, but I'm, I guess I'm just curious, what did you guys make of the way that the Shrike was positioned? Because it seems like it's going to be kind of a big deal as, as time goes. And watch, it's going to get destroyed in the next episode, and it's co- totally going to undercut this but Cicero what did you make of the Shrike just as a ship to face off against uh yeah hey it, it looked like uh the Star Trek ship designers had been watching uh have been playing some Mass Effect um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and uh I mean look they they needed to make a menacing ship 
right? And and it, I don't know. <clears throat> this this may sound pithy, but like the ships are they're impressive, right? Because someone still has to design them; they have to imagine them, uh, all of that stuff. But it's not the same because they're it's not like someone's creating models. These are just computer designs, right? And it is the, there's artistry obviously in, in that kind of thing, but, but like there isn't, there isn't the same realness as having to build a model, right? Like you can make anything be anything digitally, right? Like, I'm going to make a ship and I'm going to make it super huge and I'm going to do, you know, whatever, you know, I'm going to put spikes on it and do this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, and then it's like a third person comes over and says, Oh man, wouldn't it look great if it had like a rooster Mohawk on it? And they're like, Oh, okay. And then just throw it on there and that's, and it's done. But when you have to like, right. When you have to build models to, to like, actually like purpose built something for for it to be displayed on camera you have to look at it you have to review it you have to kind of like sit back and say no this is going to look great and menacing when i when i shoot it in 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 this shot and i think like there's there's something to that at least for me when i'm seeing these types of ships when they're trying to show the like, you know, oh man, this is, this is going to be, this ship is, is a problem for the Titan, right? Like, you know, Titan's supposed to be pretty badass. Yeah, sure. Well, um, Kyle, how did you think that things kicked off here, particularly when it comes to this ship? Because I know that this might feel very much like, one of the other episodes of this show, like from the first two seasons, just in terms of, Oh God stakes. But um, did, did they thread the line here or was it too far? I I'm waiting. Uh, I'm waiting to be impressed. It feels a bit like a rerun. We've like the scimitar in nemesis is the exact same moment. It has the same kind of general shape. And I, I I'm getting the same vibe and I'm having to think as a viewer is like, well, are you, are you punching the nostalgia button or is there something to is it so is it is it shaped like a boomerang on purpose um so i'm waiting i'm waiting but so far i'm not impressed yeah uh, you know it's funny that you because picard seems like it's been prone to have some story fuel from nemesis like obviously the stuff with data in the first season yeah they couldn't not touch on it but or could could it not double neck anyway yeah, yeah. anyway <laughs> um, but I was surprised at how closely the reveal of the Shrike played out when compared to the reveal of the Scimitar. Yeah, I'm. I just I felt like I'd seen this one before, so like I was waiting for something different to happen. Nothing different has happened yet, and we'll I'm sure we'll talk about the villain. But like I also feel that that ship and that person are all hitting notes that we're all familiar with. And I'm, I'm waiting for that to be different. So Ooh, I'm not, yeah. I'm waiting. I'm not sure. It, it, it feels like I've seen this episode before. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on her very, very soon. But um, okay. 
opening things up now. Rachel has joined us. Hello. Yeah. Hey. Uh, welcome. What do you make of this ship? I mean, this is before we really have seen Vatic herself. Um, did this kick off the right way for you? Was there enough tension? Was there too much tension? Did you like the ship? What, what's your feeling? I don't have as strong feelings about ships True. as yeah. most people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Me too. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say the only thing that like really resonated with me is what Cicero was saying that you can tell it's like not a real thing that exists in space. It's a, a computer ship. <laughs> and I, like, I just always, I a hundred percent always like respond to things that exist in real life more. And <laughs> I'm the same. Well, yeah, the, uh, the Razor Crest in Mandalorian was a model. I know that for a fact, and it does have a different sort of feel about it. That's for sure. Yeah, but, well, I don't care about ships, but yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Some fans really care about the ships. They really do. It was a ship before he got the Starfighter. Yeah, I don't really remember what that it was. was like. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like Grand Theft Auto when you grab a car off the street. It's they're just right. it's just Here's a mechanism to get you from to point B. Like See, it's, it's just funny. a spaceship. It's fine. When I play a game like GTA or LA Noir, you know, it's just like a car is a car. But right. if I'm talking to like a, if I'm playing a Mass Effect or a Star Trek game or a Star Wars game, I'm like, oh, I know this ship. Let's get in. This. So right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a totally different response. All right, put it this way: it's not the ship; it's the friends we made along the way. There you go. Oh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> Enterprise D. That's where my friends live. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, something else just about the beginning of this: Captain Shaw is continuing his utter bewilderment with the fascination that people have for Admiral Picard and for Captain Riker. But Seven also demonstrates that she knows how to manipulate his ego. However, Shaw appears to relent when the argument is framed with both a career advancement opportunity and with sticking to Federation principles. Um, what do you guys make of the, the, the good captain, good captain's development in this episode? Uh, Kyle, what do you make generally of Captain Shaw as he was set up and how things are progressing here? Um I think he I think he's awesome. Like that first dinner scene was excellent. It was the high point of that episode for me. Uh it was all dudes talking around a table, which is like a Star Trek staple that no one likes to talk about, but like that's when you flesh out the character and like you knew who this guy was immediately and how pissed off he was. And so like his position now, his back is kind of against the wall. What kind of person you are really comes out in a moment like that. And he's not completely a dick. You know, he still has, he still has a humanity in him and they're starting to peel one or two of those layers back. And I like it. So like he's complex enough and I feel like they're going to take him into a fun direction. Mm -hmm. We'll probably really love him by the end. It, it seems like they might be, Planting those seeds, if I were to guess. Um, do you see crossover with Jellico, or do you think they're? Um, no, I think Jellico was a dude who who did his job to the T. I think Shaw, and you guys touched on it on the last one. I think Shaw, there's something in his backstory that connects to Locutus. I think he lost somebody on the USS Constance or something like that, and I think that's why he's. Uh, pissed off toward specifically these characters and i think otherwise he probably would be more chill uh he might be more like jellico but i, I think he has personal issue 
with Picard and the Borg somehow. Sure. An idea you introduced into our conversation, by the way. So, <laughs> thank you very much for doing that. No, that's great. It's perfect. Um, Cicero, what do you make of what we saw from Shaw, particularly at the beginning here of the second episode? Um, I'm like Oliver Twist. May I have some more, please, sir? Like uh, this dude, right? So uh, uh, just like Kyle, I mean, in retrospect, he was the best thing that happened in the first episode. Um, and every moment he was, every moment he was in, in this episode was in, made infinitely better by his addition. Um, you know, there was not a moment that he was in the scene where I felt like, oh, yeah, what the hell is he doing? Like, he's just he's just in the way. Um, and uh, like he is he is really stirring the drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I like I, I think, <laughs> that's one. I'm counting all your food metaphors, sir. <laughs> OK. Hey, hey. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is he. There is there, there seems to be that guy every season, and and yeah, shows shows that guy this season. Um, I'm I'm super super happy to to have him to have him aboard, and just to add some some extra, you know, little little sauce to yeah. to this to this bouillon base. Sure, there you go. There's, there you go. There's there's two. There you go. Rachel. Um, you kind of hated Shaw in the first episode. Yeah, I don't remember. Well, has <laughs> have those feelings been replaced? What- well, I, what I was fascinated with was uh, when Vedic was like, given your personality profile, I'm surprised you're holding up well. Oh, yeah, and man. I was like, mm-hmm, tell yeah. me more. Um, yeah, so I think that that really hints to some sort of interesting backstory we're going to get with him. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we, we, we didn't mention that, but Kyle, that might actually serve your hypothesis. Yes, I believe I would it think. does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if there is some sort of trauma that he's recovered from in some fashion, uh, maybe it's from the Borg. Maybe it's from yeah. the Cubans. Uh, yeah. It, it, her, her knowledge of everybody was definitely uh, an interesting thing to kick off. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I think I think what her problem is is that she's the website memory alpha, like come to life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very well, could be. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, and I'm you know I'm inclined to to agree. I, you know, I think I was revulsed quite a lot by Shaw in the first episode, but he let me see a little more of his humanity this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one of the ideas I had expressed in the last episode was just that he does seem very duty bound, you know, and that's where I think the similarities begin and end to someone like Captain Jellico. But um, he also seemed like he was being a little more vindictive, but maybe there's a reason for that, that we will discover in due time. But let's move along with the with the uh, the plot here. So the Shrikes captain, a bounty hunter named Vatic, reveals that Jack is an intergalactic criminal with a large bounty on his head. Shaw has Jack arrested and intends to turn him over to save the crew, despite the protests of Picard and Riker. And of course, during this time, Beverly is still incapacitated. So let's talk about Vatic because I'm utterly fascinated by her. 
I see where you're coming from, Kyle, in the sense that maybe this is part of what we've seen before. But the way that Amanda Plummer plays her is pretty magnetic to me. And it's worth note, I think, that Amanda Plummer is the daughter of the late Christopher Plummer, who, of course, brilliantly played General Chang in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. But I saw a performer who was chewing a bit, but in a way that served to make the proceeding more unsettling, at least for me. And the fact that she was enjoying striking such fear into the hearts of the crew of the Titan and maybe into Shaw himself, like she ate that up. She had this very whimsical vindictiveness that I found very interesting. But uh, and I know interesting is a nothing word, but she, I guess she just there was something about the way that Plummer plays her that I find utterly captivating, and I'm looking forward to seeing more from that. But Rachel, why don't you give your impressions of Vatic? Do you like how she's being set up as a as a villain so far? What's your impression? Well, I don't know how much she's being set up. I like her performance, and I think that she's adds a lot of uh, tension to the episode yeah. <laughs> as is the design um interesting she's also honey bunny from pulp fiction that oh, yeah. she, i can't unsee that by the way <laughs> you, she could say the lie she could be like none of you motherfuckers over i'll have i'll execute every last one of you <laughs> right, yeah. right same same thing <laughs> so sure um yeah so that that was good but yeah, uh, I think um, a wait and see where where they go with why she's after Jack Crusher and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And the way she says Jean Luc Picard. Yeah, I, do I don't know. Like I just, that. Yeah. I, I think is, that she is swimming in the river of ham, so to speak. Right. Yeah. But I, um, <laughs> I know actors like <clears throat> do that, and I, I like when they're having. Yeah, well, and props to her makeup too, because I feel like it accentuates harshness of of features that she's supposed to have and it just like it's a good confluence of everything i think but um kyle what's your impression of uh of vatic so far you said that this is kind of maybe something we've seen before but uh overall um overall i'm very wait and see she's not a character yet she's a barrier sure until we see something else we until we see her worry about something at that point, she becomes a character. Uh, but Ham River, but another food reference, by the way. Um, <laughs> not ju- not just swimming or riding in ham. Like she's riding a pig down Ham Waterfall <laughs> through Ham River. It is. It's like she took Ricardo Montalban and powderized him, and then just like <laughs> like and just went to town. You know? <laughs> so like I'm, I know that she's enjoying that. Like as a performer, that is some really crazy stuff. I I'm not buying it yet as a viewer. I'm waiting to see what else is happening with her before I buy it. Because of it, just on the surface of this first encounter, I feel kind of like I do with the ship. Like I've seen this moment before. Like the vil- the villain who knows everything about. I can just hear Khan through the view screen, and I'm waiting for something else to three dimensionalize her. Mm-hmm. But props to the actress because, like, I can't do that. I've never ridden a pig before. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just in terms of the way that she plays uh, the the moment of tension, 
I I guess I just appreciate her uh, her vin- her vindictiveness in the way that it comes out because you could tell she's having fun mm-hmm. as a performer. I feel like it's more visible fun than like Ruafo. It didn't seem like F. Murray Abraham particularly enjoyed playing Ruafo. All that his, pay- his paycheck was too small. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that, I blame Rick Berman for that. Then I think that's, uh, Cicero, your impressions of Vatic. Uh, what do you think so far? Well, yeah, um, you know, Rachel said it best that her. Her first food reference, uh, swimming in the river of ham, uh, she definitely was. But but like everyone, like everyone has said, it's it's about whether or not it pays off, right? Like, yes, it was menacing if at some point she does something outside of throwing a derelict ship at you, right? Like, um, if if something happens to this crew in a way that just felt like cold and callous um, for the, for the sake of being callous um, then. Okay. Right. Like, all right, you're, you're a son of a bitch and I get it. Right. Like, and you, you realize that you live in that you own that and right. Like you get to be, whimsically aloof uh you know whimsically aloof madman because that's exactly who you are but if if you know if all we're going to do is fly through the nebula and and you know destroy the ship as she beams aboard or something like that then eh. all right yeah i think that that's that's fair um yeah i i i don't know i i guess I have faith of the heart, you might say. Minus 10 okay. points, Chris. Have <laughs> <laughs> you used that reference before? Probably. <laughs> we, 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 we used so, it last week. That was Cicero. Cicero yeah. did that. Oh. Yes. And then I picked up on it. But <laughs> maybe we'll just work it into everyone. Right. There we go. There we go. Might as well. Just I have yeah. strength to, to believe. <laughs> it's been a long road. It's like, right. that, that's yeah. like yeah. It's like that joke in Walk Hard where it's like, there's something <laughs> happening here. But it is ain't exactly <laughs> obvious. Well if if that can get a Scott Bakula, I'm all about it. Let's, oh, let's do it. Give me yeah, give me it. President Archer West Wing. I've said it before. Yes. I'll say it again. I want I want that. Um we haven't seen a show like that in Star Trek before. So let's move along a little bit though, because we did get some pretty interesting and revelatory information about the new Jack Crusher, or is it Jack Canby or John Carson or James Cole or Jarlis Carvel, which seemed to be a good one. Captain Shaw, right? How are we feeling about Jack now that we have a little bit of a better idea and absent what we know is confirmed about him in this episode, just in terms of, him being with Beverly and being pegged by Vatic as this uh, as this intersystem criminal. How are you guys feeling about Jack Crusher as a new addition, as a wrinkle potentially to the ongoing plot that we've seen here? Kyle, you want to go first? Um, Is this the root of disappointment that you felt perhaps? No, no, no. Um, I- I'm waiting on them to do something with them. Like I think the root, 
the the reveal to Picard took too long, like in terms of like story structure. Because mm-hmm. like even Riker in the Turbo Left is like, dude. Right, right. Come dude. on. Dude. Right. <laughs> but um I I don't know what to think of him yet. Like he's very he has a very punchable face. And I think that sometimes you could you can lean into that and do something with it. And I guess my biggest curiosity is like, what the hell did he do that the lady with the boomerang ship wants him so bad? You know, like I, what, 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 what did he do with Beverly that was so bad? Like clearly, she must have known about it, right? And why didn't Beverly say anything for twenty years? If this kid really is like somebody's son that you know, like, come on, dude, twenty years. So like, those questions are huge. But for Jack himself. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about him yet. I'm, I, I guess I'm also waiting on him to do something. Sure. Yeah, I think that that's pretty understandable. I mean, we're only in episode two. That's the, yeah. that's the difficult part of this. But yeah. uh, Cicero, what about you? How are you feeling about Jack Crusher? Uh, well, first first off, um, I, I, I've got to say that I got to mentally remind myself every time I see uh, the actor Ed Spielers uh, or Spaliers, whatever his name is. I have to mentally remind myself that it's not Taron Egerton. Oh, Taron um, Egerton, yeah, they do kind of um, like, yeah, which that's the dude from Kingsman. Yeah, oh, uh, that Elton oh, John yeah. biopic. Yeah. yeah, 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 the Elton John biopic. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I'm like, you know, are they related? Like that's like every time I, I'm looking at him, I'm like, oh man, he looks just like that dude. Are they, you know? Yeah. Um, but but yeah, just like Kyle said, like uh, this dude, right? Like he's he's you know he's got the death penalty on on seven systems. Like you know what's what's going on? Um, we've got to know why that is. But of course, the only person who 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 can reasonably be a biased advocate and and know everything about him is stuck in sick bay. So, all right, all right, all right, guys, I've got to do this. I've got to do this, right? <laughs> so, we're in the 25th century. We have seen people get cured by, you know, of lots of things. They have broken things. They have done things, and and uh, you know, and then all of a sudden they're healed. You know, they're they're hurt in the first act. By the third act, they're they're running a marathon, right? Why do we need, for narrative reasons, to have Beverly Crusher not not only be injured for two two episodes, right, or an episode and a half, but when she finally is allowed to be upright and outside of a machine, they've got to, you know, frail her in to the bridge. And 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 just allow her to meekly look and have like have the hmm hmm not even hmm, a line conversation no. mm-hmm. between her and Jean Luc for for the thing that we all knew right like the thing mm-hmm. that I said last week like all right you know like I'm trying to find a way for this to not obviously be Picard's kid and <clears throat> and you know and you know to to that point. Uh, like Kyle said, right? <laughs> Him and, and number one are like number one's like, hey man, <laughs> come on, bro, 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 bro,
bro, dude, come on. dude, right. come on, <laughs> right, right, and you know, uh, so I don't understand why, like, how they get to cherry pick how well medical technology works in yeah. for this show. Physician, yeah. heal thyself. That's what I said when she first got shot. <laughs> right, she wasn't right. on cooking yet. Like, yeah, that that felt like the most inorganic. And, and to me, to be honest, like this second episode, that was the part of the episode, really the the structure of this story that felt most like season two. Mm. Mm. Well, in that sense, maybe it's good that they're getting it out of the way then. Well, I well, mean, you know, I think there were, I think there were, there were, there was another moment that felt like season two for me too, uh, Kyle. But yes, I am glad that they got it out of the way. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, that they slowly. But quickly ripped that band-aid off. Cicero confirmed for me off mic that uh, Ed Spielers was in fact a guest star on Downton Abbey. So if you're gonna hire someone from Downton Abbey, there's always the risk that you're gonna have a punchable face. That so, explains the accent. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 Rachel Jack Crusher. Yeah, I mean, I was relieved that they kind of um went straight to he is Picard's son. Or because we were all thinking it and I was just dreading that they were going to drag it out for like five episodes of like, yeah. oh, I don't know, is it, is it not? And like, it's like yeah. just, you know, either go there or don't go there. Like, don't, like, don't treat me like I'm stupid. Um, mm-hmm. I am, a, I'm a little bit worried that this is paralleling, par- this is paralleling the Wrath of Khan a little too tightly um, with the villain who knows everything and seems to have some sort of vendetta and the son that appears out of nowhere with the old (laughs) and and now he's in peril. So I'm just like, I mean, I like the wrath of Khan. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, like, don't just remake it. Like I I liked it the first time. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe, just maybe this is a sign of a more evolved way of thinking where you have both Carol Marcus and Beverly Crusher who come to the conclusion that they want. No, I, I can't even. Right. <laughs> I, I, like Star Trek captains are so bro- broken as people that you have to hide the existence of, of their, their children, children from them. Right. Well, <laughs> which is fairly unethical, I feel like. You know, to, like send a text. To be but, fair, because I have to, send a text. I have to defend my guy. Jim Kirk knew about his son. Yeah. And his mother. He just abandoned him. Yeah. And see, that's on Jim. Carol said, stay away. Yeah. Carol said, stay away. I don't want him to be like you. Stay yeah. away. That's what she said. That felt like an amicable decision that two adults made. Crusher, Doctor Crusher, like, why would you hide the existence of, like, if you know about him, you're going to die? Is what I'm afraid they're going to come up with. And I'm like, that doesn't seem right. You know, there was one scene in the Wrath of Khan where they talk about it uh, in the yeah. Genesis room, right inside mm-hmm. uh, inside the planetoid. And yeah, they, uh, I, I did what you wanted. I stayed away. All that, all that's all Shatner needed to say, mm-hmm. and right. it was out the door. So hopefully, there will be something at least as good but i guess i just find it kind of canonically interesting that two guys who on the surface could not be more different in jean-luc picard and, and james t kirk end up having far more similarities the the older that each one got and of course picard 
was the beneficiary of some of Kirk's ad- career advice that he didn't end up taking. But still, I do find it kind of fascinating that maybe that's part of the source of Shaw's disdain for Picard because – as I said on the last episode, Shaw must think that Kirk is the second coming of Satan if he thinks that Picard's a rule breaker. So <laughs> I, I guess I just find that a, a, an interesting thing to observe between those signposts of the of the Trek franchise overall. Hmm. But um, let's move along a little bit with the plot. So Jack escapes from custody and attempts to transport himself over to the Shrike in an effort to save his mother. But Riker helps Beverly to the bridge. And when Picard sees her, he realizes that Jack is his son from a brief relationship he had with Beverly decades earlier. So we already talked about this a little bit. Um, I did like that. It was not supposed that it wasn't at least played as a surprise since you did have Riker go, come on, dude. Right. I like that the episode at least acknowledged what everybody knew pretty much the first time they laid eyes on on this new Jack Crusher. So it didn't it, it didn't infantilize the audience uh, too much by at least going that far with it. Um, Picard certainly seemed to be surprised or he just didn't give voice to the likelihood because he didn't want to will it into existence. That's my guess. Of course, you know, a a whole scene played out between looks uh, when it comes to to Crusher and Picard. You know, the the whole conversation that was seemed to have had just by glancing at each other. It was I I guess I bought it a little bit just because there's such a shared history. But there is a lot that needs to be explained in terms of her uh, forced exile from conceivably her best friends for 15 years so we'll see yeah there's there's still a chance that it's not picard's son yeah i'm still i'm not i'm not holding out hope but i, I this whole rachel garrett theory we could talk on that oh I, yes yeah i think I could, I could probably rope it in to this and it still not oh, be picard's son but i i don't know it seems pretty pretty shut open and shut as far as that that last moment in the bridge between crusher and picard like it's like yeah you owe me child support. Damn it. Turn the shields on. <laughs> How, what does child support look like in the 25th century after money? That's what I'm curious. A moon, about. a small moon. A small a moon. Yeah. There you go. Land. Yeah. Yeah. Land. It's the one thing they're not making anymore of. <laughs> um, well, uh, so knowing that Picard will not hand over his son, Shaw orders the Titan into a nearby nebula as a delighted Vatic gives chase. So um, a couple of things that came to my mind when it, first of all, the Wrath of Khan comparisons return because it looks like we might be going into sort of a balance of terror Wrath of Khan situation Mm. with an obscuring nebula and potential submarine-like combat between the two (laughs) ships. Uh, which I like, but it no, is no, I, I just I just have George Costanza's father in my in my <laughs> right. in his, always with the nebulas, always. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, we also did get to see a little bit more. So this was the point in the story too, where Vatic does have her memory alpha brain come into the <laughs> come into the fold a bit. She does seem to know everything about everyone. Um, but she also seems delighted at the prospect of giving chase, uh, in terms of leaving off the a plot, you know, this show, what I will say is it's very good at cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely left wanting more after the first one. And this one I'm, I'm just as, uh, I'm chomping at the bit just as much as I was last week. 
But uh, in terms of leaving the A plot, uh, what did you guys think of just, you know, a setup for more to come? Was this an effective cliffhanger? Did it fall flat? Did it lean too much into things that we've seen before? Cicero, why don't you lead us off? Um, I, I I think this is this is a thing that I will say when we talk about the B plot. Um, uh, so for this episode, I'm glad they closed the loop uh, with with the you know what uh, who Jack's Jack's parents were, uh, and and we weren't left hanging on that. And then we get to see this chase again. I will withhold judgment until we see what this is. Uh, but it, but like everyone has said so far, we've kind of seen these things before, and like season three of Picard doesn't need to be the Force Awakens for TNG, right? Like it doesn't need to be just like the Wrath of Khan, only bigger, right? Like the Wrath of Khan um, or Nemesis or Star Trek: right. Darkness. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, uh, it's it, it doesn't need to be that. You know, what it does need to do is give me a chance to see one last adventure with this crew that I love so much and allow us to say goodbye, right? Like, this may be the last time we see Patrick Stewart act in anything, right? Um, so give us the chance to to see him, to see this crew together doing a thing one last time and let it be okay. So uh, that's, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. Mm-hmm. Sure. Rachel, the cliffhanger. Oh, now that I think of it, it also kind of resembles the DMZ. Uh, right, anyway. right. The, the demilitarized zone that the Maquis, the Badlands, Badlands, yeah, lands that are bad. Yeah, the, right. well, yeah. <laughs> what did you think of just like you know Vatic no, giving like, chase? I thought it was effective as a cl- cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, left me wanting more. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think she's going to do? Chase them. Probably. <laughs> Fire some. You sure you're not in the writer's room? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> some, like, weapons. I, she had a lot of weapons on she, board. She, um, did. she had all of them. Yeah, I don't know. It's like something that could be resolved in like the first five minutes, or it could be like an entire episode of them getting chased. So Staying one step ahead. Yeah, we'll right? see. Yeah. How about you, Kyle? How did, how did the cliffhanger land with you for the A plot here? <clears throat> I I thought the cliffhanger at the end of the first episode was a little bit better, but for this one, I it's a it, it reminds me of Waffle House. You know, I I don't need the hash browns, but I want them. There you go. Five five total references. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone's you contributing. You didn't bring up Subway, so you had to have liked this a little bit more. So. <laughs> <laughs> Waffle House is up here. Subway. Yeah, Su- yeah. Subway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I wouldn't Very feed that to prisoners in Guantanamo Bay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Waffle House, you take your friends when you're really drunk. Hell yeah, man. Waffle House, yeah. that's that's the national restaurant of our country. 
There you go. There you go. You don't have them in Washington State. No. No. And, and Washington State is a lesser place for it. You guys may have volcanoes and what are they called? Trees. But come on. <laughs> hash browns. Right, but you, you don't have hash browns and flying metal chairs. Let me That's tell right, you. Baby. <laughs> what else were you going to get tested, sir? Right. <laughs> oh man well well i just need to make a trip to a waffle house clearly oh uh, yeah you do, yeah, you oh, do. Wait, wait. have you not been to one at all uh, you've never uh, been to a waffle house southern california yes i mean I've, i don't know i wonder if i wonder if the the waffle houses in southern california are true waffle wait, houses. no i haven't been to one i went to roscoe's in southern oh, yeah roscoe's yeah, did not different. go to waffle house yeah okay. no totally. yes Google Maps is oh, trying to send me to any breakfast place. It's like yeah. there's a pancake house near you. Like, yeah, no, 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 no. Waffle House. I think Waffle Houses are only south of the Mason Dixon line. Yeah, gotcha. Wait, I think there's one in Canada. Oh, if if the South had an embassy, it would it would be the Waffle House. It, 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 it would be Waffle House. Yeah, it would be Waffle House. I'm glad we're talking about this now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is going to be a whole thing now. Well, let's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Please feel free to send us your Waffle House recommendations. Right, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Where's the closest one? Uh, Hail yeah. frequencies at discoverydebrief.com. <laughs> uh, try the hash browns. <laughs> uh, well, let's, uh, let's close this out. So this is a very uh, wham-bam kind of uh, summary for the B-plot, but Rafi Musiker meets with a Ferengi criminal named Sneed, which, by the way, that's a pretty terrific name for a Ferengi. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Sneed is pretty solid. But she uh, she meets with Sneed after a rather tense meeting with, I assume, her ex-husband, uh, father of her children. And um, he the, her ex-husband gives her the choice of either connecting her with Sneed or her still sort of estranged son. Brutal, but okay, man. Like, mm. Raffi. Raffi deals with things you couldn't possibly imagine on a regular basis, but let's just go ahead and, and be a dick about it. But, um, so she goes to meet with Sneed, hoping to find those responsible for the terrorist attack that we saw in the last episode where the statue of captain Rachel Garrett was destroyed despite her handler ordering her to stop investigating. There is a pretty uh, cool back and forth between Raffi and Sneed, but he, uh, aims to, poison her she is almost killed but then she is saved by her handler none other than the starfleet intelligence operative former tactical officer former ambassador to chronos former apparently captain of the enterprise wharf big moment um momentous i would argue because how many times have we heard wharf talk about or allude to beheading someone we'd never actually seen it before Right. We actually saw it this time. Mm. That to me was a pretty momentous moment. But um, how did the 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 B plot come together? Because um, Kyle, you called it pretty fast that her handler was likely to be Worf. Um, I thought it might lean in that direction, but I wasn't totally sure. Uh, I'm glad that it turned out that way personally, uh, and it's just great to see Worf again. We've should have said, yeah, he looks great. We should have a lot more in the past twenty years, but. You know, CBS going to CBS. But um, what did you ca- make of the the B plot here, Kyle, and the return of Worf? Um, I'm happy to see Worf. I, you know, we knew he was going to be in the show. We we knew that he he the guy with the rubber on his face was going to be the most handsome 
I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect that of me. Um, I, I very unpopularly, I'm not a Raffi fan, so I'm really, I feel like this part of her, her, her story, especially with the ex-husband or ex-boyfriend or whatever is a little bit roughed in, I think a little bit forced. Uh, I was very pleased to see a Ferengi again, just to see like the makeup capabilities yes. they have now, like, and you know, in DS9, usually when you when you're heading into a Ferengi episode, it's like it's comedy time. We're right. gonna have comedy, and like you 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 cringe a little bit, but then you enjoy it. But this Ferengi was like totally cutthroat capitalist, and it was really slightly different than how they're normally presented. I kind of dug it. Um, but I don't know, man. Worf, those guys, those those Ferengi don't live long. Apparently, no, they don't. You know, they were always losing their head. It's a lot like going to right. a Waffle House, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought my my logic brain says, how did Worf get there so fast? Was he in orbit or something? But I'm happy to see him. I want to know what he's been doing, and I hear rumors that he has become a pacifist, and so like. I'm really curious to see what he's been doing. We were robbed not getting a Captain Wharf series. Period. We were. We were. Yeah. I think that that much is is very plain. We could um, get seven seasons of just him banging on consoles and I'd have been like, feed it to me, sir. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I just as a brief aside, I did see a recent interview with Terry Metallis where because Wharf said he was a pacifist in one of the trailers. So Metallis commented on that. This was before the series the season premiere. And he said, yeah, he said that with, and he had a Mechleth strap to his back. How much of a pacifist do you really think he is? So I thought that was kind of funny. He's a Klingon pacifist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to right, right. scale. Pacifist right? for a Klingon. You got to right. scale. He only kills people that like are really, really bad. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> hey, section 31 transwarp drive. It could be a thing. Just, just <laughs> out there. But um, no, I think you're, to- I, I commented on the, uh, on the Ferengi makeup as soon as Sneed showed up because makeup has advanced a lot. And obviously we haven't seen those methodologies transferred to these longstanding Trek species that we know so well. And yeah, like the sort of quasi still informed by later seasons of DS nine in terms of like maybe a sort of comedic countenance, but still given that sort of harder edge that they tried to give Ferengi in the first couple seasons of TNG. Mm -hmm. Good, good mixture. Yeah, he seemed, he seemed dangerous. He yeah. or she, those lobes look pretty small. That's, that's, true. that's true. That is, that's an excellent that's point. True. Yeah, that's true. She was wearing, he was wearing clothes. So. Fair, fair. Well, yeah. after the, the reforms Nog instituted. There you go. So. Maybe still Grand Nagus Nog, hopefully. <laughs> um, Citro B-plot with Raffi and, of course, the return of Worf. I um I love Michelle Hurd. Uh, I and and when Raffi was introduced in season one, I really loved the complexity of the character and and how she brought um uh, a, a a less sterile version of what humanity is like in the twenty in the twenty fifth century or in the twenty fourth century at that particular time. Um it for for then then you know as opposed to what we had been what we had seen historically um from from pe- members of starfleet um i have hated everything that i've seen of raffi this season so Ooh. far Ooh. um it is it is it has made me cringe 
Um, I have, uh, I've like, I've just like, not only do I feel like it is removing me from the main plot, right? Like I'm here to, I'm here to watch these guys that I won't see again. Right. And, and they're removing me back. They're moving me away from that for this actor. I I love her. Right. I love this actor. I, I really, really enjoy this character, but it's just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't like it. I don't buy it. Um, and everything that she had done leading up to, I love the Ferengi. I love the Sneed part, right? Like I agree with everything that everyone is saying about Sneed. And you know, when I looked, I was like, Oh, is that a Ferengi? Holy crap. That's a Ferengi. Like, wow. They look really, he looks really cool. Right. And he looks like an old school Ferengi, but he looks like a new school Ferengi, right? Like he seems like an old school Ferengi, but he looks like a new school Ferengi. Um, that like that, the skin like quality of the silicon, right? That like right, when yeah. the light hits it, it looks like skin as opposed right, to right, right. Yes, exactly. Um, and you know all of that stuff was going on, and uh, you know, and and I'm trying to buy this Rafi as a double agent, or you know, Rafi as whatever it was that she was trying to sell Sneed that she was that she was, and let's say that he was buying it. She comes in immediately and she's like, yeah, I've got money. And he's like, oh, I like money. You know, she, you know, she's talking to Ferengi's language. And as soon as she's like, well, what do you want? She's like, oh, hey, I, I want I want to know this cop shit. Right. Like what? <laughs> what? Really? Like you just went from, hey, I'm, you know, I'm shady underground person to investigating this crime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm here to buy a bag and, of cocaine. cocaine. <laughs> heard of it. <laughs> um, and then, and then he's like, all right, well, if you're cool, you'll, you'll smoke this crack that, you know, is, is, is probably, and I'm like, all right, you know, so, so now we've watched, we've watched tons of movies where that's what they do, right? They're like, we got to know if you're cool. So go ahead and take the drink. And then it was, it took this moment for me to be like, what kind of dumb stuff is that? Right? Like you're in this situation where the guy clearly doesn't trust you. And it's a dangerous situation. And and the thing that you should do to show that you're cool is imbibe something that you are not sure is a thing that will that will lead you to not being fully in control of your body in this ultimately super duper dangerous situation. Right. And she's just like, hey, yeah, you know, I've done it before. Yes. Let, and let's do it. Right. And I'm like, oh. And then Worf comes out and he does all the stuff. And I'm like, holy crap, it's Worf. That's awesome. And he looks incredible, right? And he carries her away. And I'm like, all right, well, at least they close this loop, right? Like, at least this part is done and we can move on. And like, you know, now I guess we'll have Worf trying to detox Rafi because she she took some, you know, she was a former crackhead and she just took some crack. To try and sell cool. people on the fact that, right, <laughs> right, trying to sell people that she was down 
um you know and, and you know like it didn't work she uh, she smoked the space rock and that's uh, right. <laughs> right 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 uh, and they should have a, they should, like the medical thing you're talking about earlier is they should just have like a hypo spray for that and you just soap her right up you know it's like right right exactly like, i thought the answers were in the space rock i'm sorry i'm right, right. <laughs> yeah i i, I don't know how we're going to top that, but uh, I think that those are very salient points, Cicero. Rachel, you want to try? I don't know. Yeah, like, I I agree. Um, I wasn't really loving Raffi's arc this episode. I didn't care about her and her husband. Her husband was her ex-husband. Right. Being a dick. (laughs) Yeah, you need like, to pick the Ferengi or your son. Like, hold on. Yeah. We're yeah. trying to save lives here. Why are you doing yeah. that? <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's really, like, weird and gaslighty and, like, strange. And, like, that's, why they're, that's why they're exes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then that, the, uh, the, like, smoke the crack to see that you're cool <laughs> was a joke I was making as we were walking. <laughs> Right. I had our cat in my lap, and like he was telling Chris, like, smoke this to make sure you're cool, Craig. Right. <laughs> Are you a cop? Oh, yeah, we'll hit, right. hit this doobie. Right. <laughs> like, after school special to me. Like, yeah. Like, dare, like, what they made me think, like, my whole life was going to be like was. Like, right, if you like, did it. Smoke this drug. Bob and Weave, <laughs> avoid the PCP. <laughs> right? yeah. 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 Real life, people generally don't want to share their drugs with you. So. They're expensive. <laughs> They're expensive. Yeah, the Ferengi yeah. should know that. Yeah, right. you would think. Well, the first one's always free, right? Oh, that's but, true. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, so agree. Okay. Um, but then, like, Worf came and you're like, oh, okay, that was definitely going to something really cool. It's Worf. By that point, I had figured out it was Worf because of the cadence of the handler's speech. Um, mm. It's Worf, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do okay. not engage. Yeah, like, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. It um, seemed like Worf. So I'm glad the Worf ex machina happened. <laughs> that's Worf, man. That's Worf. that's who he is. Worf he, ex machina. At the last <laughs> second. I mean, there's the data ex machinas that permeate TNG, <laughs> but there are several Worf ex machinas across <laughs> TNG and DS9. So- yeah. Enterprise would be dead if not for data's mere presence on multiple occasions. But um, no, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you guys, at least in part. I think the thing that took me out of the moment between Raffi and Sneed was that she was giving up uh, too much information that an authority would want. That's what took me out of it. Um, The do drugs to prove you're cool. I guess it didn't bug me as much, but it did you know, kind of get into this corner of my brain a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I think it was worth it for the moment that we got at the end. That's, I guess that's like, if we're going to pay that and maybe part of it is that, you know, Cicero, you mentioned how much you loved uh, Raffi, uh, at least in some of the moments in the previous seasons. And maybe it was just a hypothesis Maybe because this moment was clearly engineered to be Worf's entrance, right? It sacrificed too much agency that she has displayed in the past in order to open the door for Worf. Yeah, I I I, I agree with that. I and I think that this episode did that twice. 
right? Um, where uh, for you know for the the culmination for the payoff of Worf in the B plot and the payoff for uh, Patrick Stewart getting to say the line because he's my son mm. um, with Jack in the A plot, right? Because we could have resolved that part back when, you know, back when when Riker was talking to Picard right after they got out of the turbo lift, sure. right? Yeah. And, you know, he's like, hey, man, come on, man. Don't make me say it. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, dude. Right. And then we, right. And then we cut away. We could have just had that conversation and just let that be what it was and moved on with the plot. But we had to save it so that we could have that moment where Shaw asks him why we've got to not do the thing. And Picard could say, because he's my son. And then Shaw gets his moment too to like, all right, I'm on board because he's your son. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I think it would have played better the other way with Riker and the turbo lift. If, right. if they had that conversation and, and Picard discussed it, then I think, because I don't need a big reveal on that. The audience already knew. Right. You know, from right from from the first episode, yeah, Riker and, was our voice. He knew, and he yeah, right. told, he was our proxy in talking. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, he he played Darth Vader. Right, I I, I feel something, something I haven't felt since. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> enough. Well, I, I mean, you guys were talking about uh, earlier Jack being, um, you know, wanted in a bunch of different systems. And it just made me think of, he doesn't like you. I right, don't right, like, you don't like you either. You can watch yourself. I have the death sentence on 12 systems. <laughs> You'll be dead. Yeah. Right. And then Worf comes in with the mechleth and Jack. Well, right. yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, great go around. I think, uh, I think this warrants just some, some final thoughts from each of us on the episode. Uh, overall, I thought that the episode was decent, but I liked the first one more. Mm-hmm. Um, there were enough things that happened in the second episode that took me out of it a little bit, but I think that's a price worth paying for the kind of return for Worf that we got just because I think any Star Trek fan would agree that, man, he needs more service. We need more Worf, you know, as long as Michael Dorn is willing to do stuff. And I know he's been willing to do stuff since Nemesis came out that entire time. That's a character that has proven to be such a touchstone for Star Trek. Michael Dorn did for Klingons what Leonard Nimoy did for Vulcans, you know, just on that basis alone. He's a franchise architect on the same level. And as far as I'm concerned, but um, it was just really great to see him again. And, but I mean, I also felt that way about seeing the kingdom of the crystal skull. It's not a great movie, but I at least got to see a terrible archeology. <laughs> that is this thing again. very, very, <sighs> very gracious of you to say it's not a great movie. You sure you haven't been licking the space rock? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I tried it. My own special recipe. <laughs> there is something to be said, I think for an attraction quality to like, well, I mean, yeah, we have to go through that. But to actually see the character again, this was way better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull by like a mile. I hope if so. Compare- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not even a comparison. I only bring it up to say that um, I am tolerant of some missteps in the story for a moment that 
uh, that I'll remember. And I got that moment with Worf. Um, Kyle, what are your final thoughts on this episode? I like the first one better. Uh, felt this one was a little bit too season two-ish, a little too Red Angel-ish. Mm. Um, but they're just moving chess pieces at the moment. We're still right in the beginning. And I, I hope that once some of those pieces are in place that we're going to see some very memorable stuff. But these pieces have to be moved first. So, Right. Yeah. And no one's pun- punched Jack Crusher yet. I volunteer. <laughs> oh no! What are you talking about? Uh, well, well, Riker punched. That's right. Face. Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Punch me in the face right away. Riker has been the high point for me yes. for both these episodes yes. because, like, yes. there's just something warm and cuddly about that giant bear of a man. Yeah. He seems really comfortable in his own skin and in Riker's skin, and I'm loving him on screen. Yes, Riker's always a highlight for me. So I, I'm. Yeah, you almost take him for granted. Right, you almost take him for granted because he, yeah, he is, cons- he is consistently just pleasant, right? Like he is, you know, with his bebop. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> One time when I went to Star Trek: The Experience in Las Vegas, um, I was in costume, of course, and this is when I was in high school. And someone came up to me to comment on my costume, and she said, "Oh, I'm one of the designers here. I just yours looks." pretty close to, to the ones that, that we made. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And she said, well, who's your favorite Star Trek character? And as a high schooler still, you know, it's, he's still up there, but I said, Riker. And she goes, wow, no one ever says that. <laughs> what? <laughs> no one ever says Riker. He's like, no, I think people hate Riker. That's really surprising. And I was just kind of blew my mind. Interesting. But uh, yeah, just kind of quick aside. When uh, Chris, hold on. Yeah, yeah. When, when Chris, when Chris was in high school, he was in costume. Now he's in uniform. <laughs> no, no joke. My final project for my sophomore English class uh, was I, I gave a presentation as if I was a Starfleet intelligence official about the board. Oh man! Okay, I'm I'm gonna subtract some more points from you, sir. But you kudos on going the extra mile. Right. That's a- Rachel. You you are lucky oh, because yeah. the girls in high school. Man, Cicero, oh, man. Cicero, they reproduced, man. Like, <laughs> right, right. Let's... Chris, Chris Clow in high school. Holy crap! That's amazing. I'm surprised. How did you make it out of high school without without a wife or a harem? <laughs> how about that? Right. I'll have to share a picture that I took with a drone when I went to the experience. Oh, oh please, that was, that was fun. Um, Rachel, what are your final thoughts on the episode? Well, I mean, I, I feel like I said a lot of things that I was like, ah, I didn't like this, I didn't like that, but I thought that I, the episode slapped. All right. Um, like okay, I, yeah. I enjoyed it, and I had a really good time. So I think, you know, like in the gestalt, it was it was good. Okay. Very good. <laughs> Cicero, what are your parting thoughts for Disengage? So um, much like Rachel, I was engaged. Um, you know, without the diss, uh, for, for this episode, I was, you know, yelling at the TV, uh, laughing at things. I, I definitely big pop for Worf. Worf. Um, I think when I, when I look back at the season and I look back specifically, uh, on episode two, I'm going to remember Worf, the Worf reveal and Shaw. Hmm. Okay. Um, and you know, and, and everything else is, is just filler, but those were the things 
that that happened in this episode that really, really made me smile. So you say that now, but you're going to dream about Sneed tonight. Yeah, 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 no, you're right. No, Sneed, don't give me the crap. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, don't give me the crap in my eye. <laughs> oh, man, absolutely wonderful. Well, uh, that, that pretty much does it for most of the episode discussion, but we do have uh, a regular feature of Discovery Debrief to get into. All right. Well, um, so pretty brief this time. There's only a few things that the fine editors over at Memory Alpha contributed to the the episode page for Disengage, but here they are. Crusher and Jack are part of the Mariposa Medical Movement. This is an organization that was hinted at in Farewell when Guinan informs Picard that Cristobal Rios and Teresa Ramirez created it in the early 21st century. So that's kind of a nice little callback to this show's lineage. Uh, Nice to see that something like that has the longevity that it certainly seems to have. Um, Kind of a fun little moment. I still kind of miss Captain Rios, to be honest. I actually quite enjoyed that character. But, um, you know, onward and upward. Um, the Shuttle Savic, guess who that's a nod to? Uh, <laughs> the Shuttle Savic is a nod to the Vulcan Savic. According to the Star Trek Picard logs, which are typically shared on Instagram, I believe, Savic eventually rose to the rank of captain and commanded the first USS Titan in 2290. So that's a pretty big addition to the canon. Um, hmm. I, I don't think that they've ever mentioned Savick as a commanding officer of a Federation ship before, but that's kind of cool to see. But now I'm kind of, so 2290. So where was she when Praxis exploded? We could have used a third ship there to face off against Chang, but she was oh, busy wow. raising uh, Spock's son. There you go. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> another, another lost child. This is just something that is <laughs> continuing here. There's a theme. It, it is. Uh, and then finally, of course, the episode reveals that Jack Crusher is the son of Beverly Crusher and Jean-Luc Picard. This is the second time that Picard has been told he had a son as the result of a long-ago love affair, the first one being in the TNG episode Bloodlines. However, unlike that episode, Picard appears to actually be the father of Jack. So, so far. So far, yeah. Right. And and I think that that's worth mentioning. But before we actually dismiss, Kyle, you mentioned your theory. Um, so... I want to have an alive observation <laughs> from Trexpertise. That's cool that you got that. I like that. Hey, I, I, I try to go the extra mile. <laughs> if, you if you wouldn't mind breaking it down, I'd love to hear it straight from, from your mouth. Okay. Why was Rachel Garrett's statue targeted? Why, why, why name drop a statue at all? To be mm-hmm. cool? To put a triple on a desk? <laughs> there's one of the character whoever this villain is or whatever's going on they selected that person and that site on purpose and that leads me to think that there's a rachel garrett connection and what i've got in the back of my head because i don't have normal thoughts is that <laughs> uh sela sela how do you pronounce her name i think it's sela sela tasha yar's half romulan daughter uh is Got to be the person back there who knows this crew the most because she's connected to them genetically. Um, has a bone to pick with them before 
And it, and it makes sense to me to bring her in as someone who was cl- like for the Romulans cloning uh, sleeper agents, right? And I think this is a great opportunity to reveal that maybe she was responsible for the Shinzon program mm-hmm. and that she's either dead or gone or whatever. Like, I kind of think Denise Crosby is going to be like, hello, I'm back. I'm still alive because it's the last hurrah. Um, I suspect all these things, and in that, in the run of that, like maybe Rachel Garrett herself is one of these clone sleeper agents that survived or, or died, or I, I don't know. To me, it sticks out that Rachel Garrett was name dropped. Their statue was specifically targeted. That they had that in the show at all. I think there's some kind of connection to the villainy. It didn't have to be a big one, but it's something. Anyway, that's what I was thinking. It might sound like gibberish. No, I think that's awesome. I would I would love for them to be able to introduce a person, a device that ties so much of the story that we have witnessed over the past two and a half decades together yeah. if the intention is to wrap everything up and give the, the TNG crew a send-off that is at least akin to the effectiveness of the send-off of the Undiscovered Country. We, we've never seen Sela go away. We didn't see her die. She's still out there. Um, and if there's, if Shinzon is part of a program of sleeper agents, like that, that could be, that could be plenty of distraction for Dr. Crusher in dealing with things. She's been caught up in it somewhere. Jack Crusher's not Picard's son. He's literally Jack Crusher. Yeah. I mean, interesting. it sounds fun to me, but yeah, I'm just over here. Well, and I mean, it doesn't take too much imagination to think about, Another B in Sela's bonnet, maybe being the Hobus supernova, right? I mean, yes. Picard failed to evacuate Romulus. It wasn't totally his fault, of course, but would Sela care? I, I mean, she worked for the Empire. It at least ruined her paycheck. I'd be upset. Yeah, she's so, I mean, kind of a Romulan nationalist. I think that Picard as a show is not looking at the the po- the post Borg or ex Borg thing XBs enough in the Romulan diaspora enough like I, the the whole Romulan Empire is gone and they're just refugees everywhere like I think that's a whole premise for an entire show yeah and right. like and for a series for a whole series yeah so like to me like if I were Terry Metalis and I'm pulling threads from all of TNG canon like to me Sela is like look at this beautiful pair. I'm just going to pluck it and, and, start, and start eating on it. And so I'm very suspicious that they're not going to pull something like that. Well, it's fascinating. I, well, Yo. I, I will, I will say that I think, I, I, I think that w- when, when it's all said and done, we'll look back at this moment and say, Kyle ruined season three <laughs> of, of Picard for everyone. Um, because everything that he said is perfectly right. I, you know, as I'm, sitting back and thinking about the first ready room, uh, Metallus was sitting there with, with Will Wheaton and they were talking about the cameo at the end of, you know, the cameo that's going to happen in, in the season or the people that are, that are coming and people are going to be shocked, right? No one will believe in a billion years who it could possibly be. That's going to come back that, you know, um, and we've got everybody. So, uh, you know, the fact that we're talking Tasha Yar and the fact that we're talking, you know, Rachel Garrett, like, 
if you're going to say these types of things, right, if you're going to uh, be that smug about what the, you know, who those people are, here you go. You, you know, you, you've been, you've been found out. Yeah, exactly. And she's got all of, or Terry's got all of Canon to pull from. I, I, my other theory is that it's the offspring of Salamander Janeway and Salamander Paris <laughs> coming back for vengeance. You left us to die. die. They left them on the planet. They're, they're sentient. They're, you know, they're, yeah, they're, well, they're, they are super advanced ants. <laughs> Uh, okay. If nothing else, they should show up in Prodigy. Pro- uh, Prodigy oh, or no. Lower Decks. Or Lower Decks. Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. fair. Yeah, <laughs> true enough. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, for, for this episode at almost the literal last minute. Um, is there anything you want to uh, to tell our audience about what you're up to, where they can find things that you're going to be doing? Uh, trexpertise.com hopefully one day i'll make a lot more videos than i'm making now hey well I, you're you're one of the prime directive was very interesting uh Thanks, yeah. so people should definitely check that out if they haven't yet uh, but i think i speak for all of us here when we say that you, there's always a chair for you you're always welcome to stop in if you ever feel like you have the need to talk are you going to be doing the uh the ongoing reviews or are you not sure Probably not. Probably okay, not. but yeah. I'll mostly be around if you guys want to talk. I'm I'm going to be watching the show, so like, hey, all right, we'll 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 let you know. I know how to find you. Yeah. So uh, much appreciated. Uh, any final parting thoughts from the remainder of our panelists, Cicero? Do you want to leave us with anything? Uh, feel better, Ty. Yeah, true enough. Yep. I, I, that closest Waffle House to us is um. A 19 and a half hour drive to Fort Suck. Collins, Colorado. Oh, Fort Collins, Colorado. Oh, go there and, and go see uh, Kyle Connor of Outer Specs, Outer Specs Studios. He, he's, uh, he's a famous EV vehicle car, car reviewer. So go get some Waffle yeah, House. Buy him, buy him some hash browns. There you go. You know, for Valentine's Day, Rachel got me a, uh, a, a Giordano's pizza. Oh, it was a Lou Malnati's, Lou Malnati's pizza. Sorry. Lou Malnati's pizza that was mailed good in pizza. Chicago. Mailed? Well, you had a pizza mailed? mailed? Frozen. It was frozen and shit. Well, I just think this empire is the greatest thing that's ever happened. You can mail pizzas? That's insane. You can, yeah. you can mail pizzas. Oh yeah. Dry ice. It's frozen solid and dry ice. That's and a, a Portillo's chocolate cake. So we got a little taste of, of Chicago for Valentine's Day. It was one of the most thoughtful gifts I've ever received. So thank you very much. Oh, look at that. But the Waffle House needs to get in on that. That's all yeah. I'm saying. You, you won't be disappointed. Hey, you, no, you can't. You can't get for uh, you know freeze dry uh, yeah. Waffle House. You gotta go to Waffle yeah. House to have America. Experience. If you're listening, America, do not mail hash browns to anybody. <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to end well. <laughs> America, the world, please, wherever you are, <laughs> wherever you are, do not mail hash well. Browns. Hashtag Good do man. not mail hash browns. <laughs> if you take anything from this episode, <laughs> right? You know, who, you know who mails hash browns to people? Jack Crusher. He did it in seven <laughs> systems. Yeah. Right. Yep. Exactly. <laughs>
<laughs> He's going to do it now. You wait. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that is going to do it for episode number 86 of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please like and follow us on our social media channels. If you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show wherever you found it. It only takes a minute. Let us know you wrote one and we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief. And feel free to send us questions through there or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes and be sure to join us next time as we unpack the latest adventure of the crew of the Enterprise D and E. As always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. Mm-hmm.